Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Peng is a 59-year-old Vietnamese male who came in earlier this week for his routine health maintenance visit. Despite his working 65 hours a week and not having time or energy to exercise, he states he's doing well. His last screening colonoscopy was normal three years ago, and his lipids are well controlled with his diet. After a shared decision-making discussion, he wishes to have a prostate cancer screening repeated today. His last one was three years ago when his PSA was 1.8 nanograms per milliliter. You got his labs back this morning and his PSA is now 4.2. What should you do? Refer him to urology, a clinical trial of antibiotics, or maybe an MRI? Hi, this is Frank Domino. And joining me today is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Executive Editor of Dynamid. Hi, Alan. Hi, Frank. Thanks for having me today. Boy, let me just tell you, PSA screening is a controversial topic. Um, Maybe you could elaborate on what the current recommendations for PSA screening are. It's both controversial because of the the medical implications as well as the legal implications. So on the plus side, some groups, uh, the the recommendations around screening uh, fall into have a shared uh, decision-making discussion with patients about the pros and cons of screening. Let, Let me just tell you about a few of the organizations and where they stand. The National Comprehensive Cancer Network says shared decision-making should occur with men 45 to 75, and for African-Americans, maybe start that discussion at 40. And to screen, use a PSA test, not a rectal exam. The American Cancer Society says, first, make sure people have a greater than 10-year life expectancy and offer a shared decision-making discussion for men at 50 or African-Americans starting at 45, or for men who have multiple family members diagnosed with prostate cancer before 65, start at 40. Again, they're saying, hey, look at the age, just have a discussion. The American Urological Society, the group that has a strong vested interest in prostate cancer screening, says do not screen men before 40, and do not screen men 40 to 54 at average risk, and do not screen men over 70 or anyone who has a life expectancy of less than 10 years. But for men 55 to 69, have a shared decision-making discussion. Finally, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, which is endorsed um, by the American College of Physicians and the American Academy of Family Physicians, says have a shared decision-making discussion with men 55 to 69, and maybe earlier if they're black or have a strong, strong family history. Uh, But no one is aggressively recommending getting a PSA test, and no one is recommending a screening rectal exam. So some pretty good news there. Most of the groups are now at least in alignment with how to screen. You know, this is really quite a change over at least my clinical career, where initially we were all doing rectal exams, then we were all doing rectal exams and, and PSAs, 
And then a while ago, the USPSTF was actually saying don't do it. And now we've sort of, I think the pendulum has swung back and the shared decision making seems to make the most sense, at least to me. So for Peng, do you think we should be referring him to a urologist? Well, that, that's certainly one of our options. Um, a number of urologists that I work with said, oh, if you have a patient who's had a rapid increase in their PSA over a few years' time, put them on a course of antibiotics, often fluoroquinolones, and then repeat the PSA. That's no longer recommended. That's been studied, and it shows that the uh, difference in PSA result is clinically non-significant after a course of antibiotics. So if someone's got an elevated PSA, you can't just throw them on antibiotics and repeat it. Um, for a time, we were ordering a free PSA and developing a percent free PSA total. The lower that percentage, the greater the risk of cancer. Most urologists have now moved away from wanting us to obtain that test, stating it doesn't change any management issue. Maybe it makes the patient feel a little bit more secure if the percent is very high that they don't have cancer, but you can't just rely upon that test to say this is unlikely to be cancer and not do further testing. So that gets us to next. What typically we do is refer to urology. And what are they are going to do? They're going to set the patient up for a transrectal ultrasound-guided prostate biopsy. Now, this is a fairly uh, standard procedure where each lobe, the two lobes of the prostate, undergo six random biopsies uh, in each lobe for a total of 12 lobes, tw 12 biopsies. Those biopsies are then evaluated through pathological specimen testing, and uh, from that result, a Gleason score is obtained. Um, but again, this is random biopsying from a, an ultrasound-guided needle, but it's still pretty random and still has the potential both to miss tumor or maybe over-diagnose prostate cancer. So a lot of interesting stuff there, Frank. First of all, you know, with those fluoroquinolones, they're not entirely benign at all, so I'm glad we don't have to use them. You know, this idea that you're going to do random biopsies, um, I think a number of years ago there were some uh, studies trying to look at better ways of doing things. And I've heard about uh, using an MRI prior to biopsy. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, this is becoming increasingly the standard of care. When you have an elevated PSA, um, obtaining an MRI in addition to referral to urology is probably a very reasonable next step. Uh, the study in question here was done in Sweden, so not quite a U.S. population. They took 1,500 men, 50 to 74, with PSA levels greater than or equal to 3, and they randomized them to the standard transrectal ultrasound guide biopsy of 12 random biopsies or biopsy driven by MRI. And what they found is that the, the uh, MRI group had a lower proportion of patients who needed biopsies, and it cut the need for biopsy by 50%. Now, that's remarkable. If you can prevent an invasive procedure that's got morbidity and mortality by 50%, that's, that's a great next step. Um, the, the people who had MRI um, on biopsy had uh, much more likely to have clinically significant prostate cancer, meaning a Gleason score over seven, than those who had the transrectal ultrasound and random biopsy. And that difference was a little bit smaller, but nonetheless, you had higher accuracy using the MRI 
ahead of the biopsies because the MRI then guided the biopsies and, and helped further make the diagnosis. So we have a pretty cool situation, but there are a few caveats. First of all, the study was done in Sweden, and we can probably not follow that same algorithm here. The standard of care is biopsy no matter what after an elevated PSA. So we would not be able to avoid those biopsies yet. But if this data gets further and further confirmed, I suspect that everybody gets a biopsy will eventually become uh, lower on the diagnostic algorithm. And if the MRI shows pretty benign disease, close follow-up with PSA testing may be the next step. Um, why is that an issue here? Well, malpractice, uh, missing one case of cancer, even not missing it still would inspire people to, uh, to bring lawsuits. Um, so I actually think for paying, we should get an MRI. Now, what happens when we get an MRI? Uh, if your practice is anything like mine, it's almost always results in an initial rejection. And then you have to have that peer-to-peer -peer conversation with somebody in another part of the country who's grumpy and burned out at their career, and they, they try to tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't get it. This study should support your doing it. And hopefully, over time, those peer-to-peers and rejections will go away. Um, I've spoken to our urologists here, both in the community and at the tertiary care center, and they all really appreciate getting the MRI ahead of seeing the patient. Well, that's really uh, fascinating, and I think this is likely to change practice in terms of how I think many people evaluate uh, patients with abnormal PSAs, it doesn't really, well, it sounds like it partially addresses the whole issue about whether you should get a PSA in the first place or not, because part of the downside to ordering the PSA is overdiagnosis. So if you can be a little more precise in the workup following an abnormal PSA and maybe not have to go down that slippery slope with every patient who's got a PSA of 3.8 or 4.2, uh, maybe that can improve increase the uh, net benefit of prostate cancer screening. But you, you really can't tell that from this study, can you? Not yet. Not yet. And hopefully that is in the future. As you point out, elevations in PSA levels um, on random screening have a greater than 50% false positive rate. So anytime a PSA is elevated, um, you, you've, you've, you've jumped into a black hole of what am I going to do next? So hopefully, as you say, uh, the MRI will help in the future alleviate uh, further evaluation. Thank well, you, thanks Alan. for bringing this to our attention, Frank. Very interesting paper. Practice pointer. When a patient has a PSA level greater than three, consider obtaining a prostate MRI in addition to referring to urology for further evaluation. Join us next time when we discuss a meta-analysis evaluating the benefit or lack of benefit of muscle relaxants for acute low back pain. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.